Praise the Lord. Isn't he good? It's a privilege to be here in, in the congregation, in, the, in this place, in the sanctuary, with each other, with seeing our faces. I don't know what's going on, but you know. <laughs> I want to pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for revelation knowledge. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for our helper, Lord Jesus, that you sent to us. Truly, he is a helper. Thank you for this congregation of people. Thank you for placing me with believers. Thank you, Lord. Speak over this word tonight that ears will be opened, eyes will be opened, and healing would be the result. In Jesus' name. I'm going to start back uh, back in January. I had a stroke my left eye my uh, <clears throat> my optic nerve was damaged I didn't lose any kind of strength in my body but I was damaged I had a, a shadow on the right the left side of my left eye I could see through it it was like someone had pulled down one of those those sheets or those those window coverings that you have in cars where you can see through it, that's the closest thing I, I can address, you know. You could, I could see through it. <clears throat> and I started on my quest because no one could answer the question, how did this happen without pain, without forewarning, without any kind of problem in my body that I could see. Well... The first ologist I went to was one, he dealt with the retina. His name is Dr. Fish. He was a very nice young man and very well trained. And he said, this isn't your retina, but let me send you to a neuro specialist. So I went to the, the, neurolo- the neuro uh, optim- ophthalmologist, Dr. Woon. She was very nice, very well-trained, could do all kinds of tests with graphs and show me exactly where this was, but she couldn't answer me what had happened. So you see on my scales, it was tipping to one side as I went through the process. Then my hematologist, I went to him saying, could Warden Strom macrogobulemia can this cause this because that's what I was I've been diagnosed with a genetic blood disorder he almost yelled at me he said no Waldenstrom can't do that it's a cardiovascular thing so then I go to the cardiologist 
Okay, you see my scale, it's kind of getting a little heavy on the other side. And doctor, that hematologist, is a very complete, thorough, good doctor. But he wanted me to do two MRIs, a PET scan, and a bone marrow test. Well, I canceled all the tests, and I said, you said cardiovascular. Well, I did have a cardiovascular. A carotid artery had surgery the last, the first time I had a stroke and when I went blind. So I go into the cardiologist, and here I am, another great doctor, a good man. He, he would come to me when I was in the hospital three years ago. He would come to me and say, now tell me again what happened and how you prayed. So see, we were on a similar wavelength. He was incurious about the spiritual side of what was going on. So I trusted him when I went to him, and he, he looked at everything. He did his echocardiogram. He did this Doppler thing on my carotid arteries, and he said, only thing I see is that the left side of your heart is thickened, and it's not interfering. That's not interfering with any of the function, but there's this strange thing in your blood. And so, because it had to do with my thyroid, I go to an endocrinologist. The next thing I went to, you can see the ologists and all the, well, I'm like this in my balance scale. And God, God was in this. I know God was in this because I wasn't getting a very bad report. And so she says, okay, I want you to take your thyroxine, take it like this. I said, I can do it. And so I started taking it, and it was like, it was like a tiny, tiny motor came on inside me. Tiny, little, maybe a one-cell battery. So I thought, this is going to work. Well, each day, my motor got stronger and stronger and stronger. And Angela may remember this, but I remember one night, a Wednesday night, before we had the car, the pandemic thing, I said to Angela, this was right after I had my stroke, I said, I need y'all praying with me because, and she said, you're not going to have any more strokes. And I, I said, okay, but that, that was a Wednesday night, and on Sunday, as I was walking up this aisle, I was back just close to where y'all are sitting, Jason, and the Spirit of the Lord just said to me, you know that song you've been singing? And I said, yeah, you've given me this song over and over. He said, I want you to go and get quiet. I'm going to transition your mind. Transition my mind to, to think differently. So I, I said, okay. And I was, went to the, small, the singles group that, or the small group that night and I just told them what God had said to me, and uh, then we had the stay-at-home thing. So I stayed at home, and I thought, this is my chance to get quiet. Well, everybody I talked to was saying, using Psalms 91, 91, and, and Shelley had taught the last time she spoke at the Jules meeting. She had spoken about Psalms 91. It was beautiful. It was well done. She had really prepared, and it was just great. So Shelley... Uh, had put some things, seeds into me about this. And, and so 
I told my friend about what Shelly had said, and in the mail comes, my friend's real good to me. She sent me a, a book that Shelly had taught on. Well, I sat there reading it because didn't have anything else to do but watch television, you know, because we can't get out. And there in that book was an explanation of something I'd had all my life, a, de- a demonic force following me, haunting me, causing great upheaval in my life, and its name was claustrophobia. And it was, I know the day when I was about four, someone rolled me up in a heavy carpet and left me there. As a child, they were just playing games. And then these same children, when I got older, they closed me into a refrigerator box. So, you see, it was like just inundated. Well, when I get to an MRI, when I had my first stroke, I couldn't go in that tube they had to sedate me, not me totally out. So I'm, I'm like, okay, and God revealed through Psalm 91 and the description this lady gets, man, I'm on it now. So I got deliverance right then and there. And I've never been able in my life to grow my fingernails out. My fingernails have grown out. I mean, you wouldn't think certain things were a part of the other, but my fingernails are growing out, and I'm not got them... I'm not messing with them. My fingernails have grown out. Psalms 91. I'm still reading Psalms 91. The power of just a tiny bit of information. Remember that mouse I taught about? The mouse that was swimming in circumstance? And, and, and when he would finally get up the wall of the bucket enough to peek over the edge and see something else, then he could swim another 25 minutes. Well, I was to the 36th hour is how I felt. I was ready to drown under the weight of all of this, these diagnoses. And you know, if I listed everything, there's seven that they've got on the pandemic thing, and I've got six of them. So when I say, don't hug me, I'm saying something. I'm saying, I don't know who you've been with, and I can't afford one speck of that stuff on me. You understand? Because I don't want to have to deal with that too. So I'm like this, but God began to deal with me. He said, I told you you got the keys, and I told you you didn't know where the locks were. Well, he said, look at Psalms 91.1, and he said, that is a lock. So let's look at Psalms 91.1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay. And then we go on and we read all the others and we just jump up and down and, and we go our way and, and any little thing come up and we slap one of these verses on our lives. Uh, a thousand may fall here and ten thousand there, but it shall not come near me. We know all these scriptures and we just slap them on and then we go our way. But these scriptures... He told me, verse 1 is the lock. And unless we're dwelling in the secret place, dwelling there, we are not going to abide in the shadow of the Almighty where all these others are applicable. To dwell somewhere 
means to take up permanent residence, to live and stay in a permanent residence, to reside there. It's not a resort area that you visit occasionally and say, yeah, I'm going to take some of that. And then we go our merry way into our circumstantial life. We've got to stop considering the circumstances and listen for the secrets that are going to come out of Psalms 91. One. There's a secret place. It's hidden. It is only divulged to us as we seek him, seek to know the secrets. It's a secret place. It's hidden from view. It's mysterious. Paul was stayed in the secret place. That's why he had the revelation that he has. That's why we read it, and we're amazed at his great revelation, at his ability to be stoned to death, get up and kill, preach, and he's, he's damaged, he's bruised, he's, he's everything else, but he's going right on. He's dwelling in the secret place where the circumstances are not affecting what he's doing. He's heard what to do in the secret place. We are so easily constricted uh, by old skins and, and cultures and ideas and, and usual ways of doing things that, that we, it, it fractures our outer shell somehow if we have to do something different. For me to move off that third row over to that seat last Sunday was hard. I wanted my third row back. Do you understand? I have a preference. I had people even saving that third row for me, making fun with me. Jason does that. And isn't it funny how we, we get used to something and suddenly we've built a little area there where we, where we are not any longer flexible, where we don't flex and turn. And yet, remember when I said, when I got up on the edge of that bucket, you know, and I finally got my leg over and I was sitting on the edge of that bucket, I was able to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, and it was able to turn me. Like the wind turns a windmill. We need to turn at the direction of the Holy Spirit, but we can't be just just thrill seekers and go in and get, I want that, oh, I'll take that word. I'll take that little bit. We have to learn to dwell. When you dwell somewhere where you've made a down payment, you've made an investment, it's cost you something, You've had to consider the property. You've had to look at it. You've had to finance it. You've had to do something. It's cost you something. Well, it cost Jesus his life for us to have the privilege of dwelling in the secret place. He dwelt in the secret place. We watch him walk through crowds that are trying to stone him to death. We watch him walk through unhindered. In these last days, the church has got to walk in with the knowledge and hearing the secret things so that we can walk unhindered by what the world's going to come up with. We've got our, we've got our methods have, Methodists have their methods. Baptists have their cow trails. They avoid anything about the Holy Spirit. They're just like this. They're dodging everything. And, and they don't know what to do with it. Then we've got... We've got the assemblies, and they've got their box. Everybody's got their box. Everybody's got their old wineskin, if you will. But the spirit the pastor's teaching us about has got to be free, has got to be free to move because we 
if we're led, it says in, in uh, Romans eight fourteen, it says, um, but those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We have to be led out to take the land, led out to do the works, led out to walk, led out to, walk, to minister in the Spirit, led out. We have some people that just are so automatic, they just, they just prophesy at the drop of a hat. Well, if they're not led out to prophesy, they're out of order. If they're just prophesying, excuse me, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> you seem real close. But if, if the Holy Spirit is holy and he knows the secrets of the Most High and he will reveal them to us if we present ourselves, if we invest ourselves, if we give him the time of day. You want your scales balanced? You want your mind got balanced. Mind got balanced. There's something happened in my life where this suddenly was behind me. I was in some place else with God. I'm, I'm setting up camp. I'm right now in probably a, a little bitty camp trailer, but I'm going to have a house on on Secret Street. I'm going to build me a mansion on Secret Street. I'm going to have me a place where God isn't going to have to look for me. We are going to have to be warriors in these last days under authority, walking when he says now. I want to show you something. In, uh, it's John eleven forty one, I believe. Let's look at that. Jesus, Jesus, what he did. That's just when Lazarus was in the grave. It's amazing to me. It's amazing what Jesus said. If I can find it. 11, 40, okay. Okay, let's, let's just look. Great. Uh, Lazarus is being raised from the dead. Then Jesus again, 38. Then Jesus again groaning in himself, groaning in himself. What's he doing? Groaning in himself. He's, see, he's, he's getting there. Groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who had died, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days. But Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, If you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. This, in the deep, deep side of him, he was saying, okay, I'm here. I'm here. You've delayed me getting here. You wanted me to come this day, four days late, four days, you know. I obeyed you. (laughs) And I know that you always hear me. (laughs) He's saying, It's time for you to manifest what you told me in the secret place. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, he was not late. It was in the timing of the Lord. We've got a timing in the secret place. We learn how to cook the bread. So we've got anointed, we've got fresh bread coming out of the oven that we feed people. 
It's not stale, old crusty bread that has no flavor anymore. It's, it should have been tossed away years ago. It's fresh, hot, baked right out of the oven. God is going to give us revelation for the body of Christ so we can make it in these days. If we cannot bake bread, we're not going to make it. If we don't know the recipe, and that means be led by the Spirit when the Spirit says, where the Spirit says to go, at the time he says to go, meet him. It's like the colt. So go get a colt. Bring him here. It's going to be in the upper room. Go reserve this. Go do that. Go to that fish. Get a coin. Pay your taxes. I mean, look at what Jesus did. He got it all in the secret place. We look at Paul's writings and we are amazed at the revelation he got, but he got it in the secret place. It's not, it's not some place mysterious. It's a place where you've made a decision. You're going to build a house. You're going to set up camp. You're going to ask your father to open up the treasure chest because you're going to use your key in the lock. And you're going to sit there until he reveals that secret thing and gives you an assignment and you hear it and you're excited and you go. I was asked two weeks ago to take care of someone in my house and I couldn't do it. I was like this. I was all lopsided. I couldn't do what I knew God had called me to do. And, and my granddaughter and her husband were over and, and they're in Clear Lake and they're talking about they're so excited they don't have the baptism, but they're so excited they're getting to read Acts. Oh, and they're telling me about Acts. And I look at them, I say, I'm living Acts, <laughs> you know. And, and, and she knows I speak in tongues and her mama speaks in tongues. But I was I thinking, God, you're doing that. You're, you're calling, stirring them up. You're stirring them up by the Spirit. And, and they're going to come to know you. And I've been praying this for years for my granddaughter, that what is in her, and I know God's place there, is going to come out fortified by the Spirit of God. You have people in your life that you've prayed for for years for it to come home. Begin to say, I'm going to dwell in the secret place and I'll know when to speak, what, when, where, and how. So when that seed that you've planted needs to be watered, you'll water it at the right time. You'll have the word, the anointing to do it at the right time. It isn't just a shotgun that splatters out and the pattern's this large and you, you just splat it against the wall hoping to hit something. This is, this is like a, a thread in the needle. That's how sharply we can hear from the Holy Spirit. When I realized that all of a sudden my scales were tipping, I was free to ask that person to come live with me. I'm about the master's business. It will be good. There's no dread in me. And all of a sudden I realized all this other stuff is behind me. It is behind me. I am the healed of the Lord and I'm going to walk in healing. I'm walking out my healing right now. I still have a slight shadow in my eye, but I'm being healed. I'm walking in the light that I've been given by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to walk others into the light, and I will minister the things of the Lord. I will. I will. And I, I've got a long time to live. I felt like we were planning my funeral. That's how low I'd gotten, how overweighted. I was thinking, I want to tell my daughter who to invite. Who to invite? Because I can't put one foot in front of the other. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Y'all didn't know that. 
Some of you knew I wasn't quite looking right. But I couldn't fun- function because I wasn't in the secret place. And I know about the secret place. But I treated it kind of like a resort you go to once in a while and leave. I had not built my dwelling place. And any of y'all that are retired, get over it. Retirement is the most selfish thing I've ever seen in my life. We think, oh, we've worked a long time. Now we get to rest a little on our laurels. No, you don't. You've got a whole new realm to walk in. You've got a whole new realm of teaching young people that you. we've got all these divisions and we think we're so smart we divide this group and this group and this group and the body is one body. And we wonder why we don't have unity. It's because I've had this happen to me multiple times. You're too old to be in our group. You need to go to this group. And I'm thinking, okay, I can't see the foot. I have no need of you. They have great need of me. Y'all, we all have great need of each other. We know that now after we couldn't see each other. I need your face in my midst. Y'all hear that? I need to see you. I, y'all need to see y'all. I need to see you, Shirley. I need to talk to you eyeball to eyeball. And I can't hug you right now, but boy, when I can. Y'all have had it. Everybody. Y'all have had it. But you understand now why I wore a little mask last Friday to prayer? It's because I had a little bit of sore throat. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go into this place. And I'm willing to go pray without a mask. But God, I've got this thing. I'm not going to give it to anybody else. I knew that I had a sore throat. And I was dealing with quite a bit of luggage over here. And I thought, I'll just go. Well, I've never heard of Sitchologist in all my life. And I'm expecting wonderful reports the next time. When we go into, when we go into Scripture, we can't consider that one size fits all. Because if you have not prepared, if you have not invested, if you have not done your homework... If you've only treated God like a, a merry-go-round, like you get, on, get a ride and then you get off, and you get a ride and you get off, and you get the thrill of, of going around that merry-go-round once in a while, and you, you go and, and the tilt-a-whirl was my favorite. You know, you go and whirl a while and you dance a bit, and then you go your merry way. And, and we are not students of entertainment. We're not the children of the entertainment group. Uh, I, I saw children, girls, teenage girls, 12 to 14 years old at a conference I was teaching. And these mothers, these Assembly God mothers would walk in and their, their 12 and 14-year-old daughters would come sit with them. And it was like I watched those little girls. They served the, the meal that we had together. They were right in there with their mothers. And I just asked the pastor, I said, how did you do this? She says, we never considered the children an entity in themselves. Wisdom. The children from square one were taught to serve all. They had no problem as teenagers serving because they knew that was what they were supposed to do. I watched Amy and uh, April and John, their little girls right there beside them serving, going at it. And I'm thinking, is that, Lord, is that what? What Shalala did, or Shalala was the pastor's wife, that I asked that question. I said, is that what Shalala and them did? 
was, was from that age made them a part of the, of the communion, made them a part. And I watched, I was in a, a home church once where uh, my friend, uh, my friend Georgia, she, she invited me and I was doing research on home churches as a part of my finishing up my class, my, my uh, graduation. And, and uh, I went there and I heard two children prophesy and I was undone by the prophetic word they had. It was knocked me off my feet. I could not believe this came out of a six-year-old's mouth. And it was so, or she was nine, her sister was six. But it came out of that child's mouth, and I have never forgotten what she said. It was so insightful, and it was so God, and it was so real. And, and then they'd line the children up to give out the communion. And they would just stand there, and they'd laugh at each other and everything. But it was holy. The children were given out communion. We'd walk up, we'd take it. And then they'd they'd go put it away. And it was like, Lord, I was in a totally different environment for a while. It was beautiful. And I was thinking, all parts are working. All the parts are working together. Well, in these last days, the children shall lead them, it says. A childlike faith. We need a childlike faith about us. We need to go build us, if it's nothing with, but just those little building blocks with Legos, let's go build us a house on Secret Street. Let's get us something built to dwell in and let's live there. Let's see what kind of strikes and what kind of hits the lightning of the Holy Spirit will give us. Let's get hungry to get out of whatever box we're in or old skin we're in and let's break free to hear and to abide because it says he who dwells shall in the in the secret place shall abide under the in the shadow of the almighty abide there abide means reside abide means you are not in conflict you're abiding in the vine you're abiding there and great fruit you want to know if somebody's in the secret place? They're going to have some fruit. They're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to be bound, heavy laden with fruit. And then when the trimming of the Lord comes, the pruning of the Lord comes, they're just going to stand steady because they got roots down and they bear fruit up to God and they understand the process and they don't get mad at God and they don't get offended at their brother and they're not in competition with their brothers about anything, because it's available to him who dwells. All the good stuff of God is available. Let's go on a treasure hunt. Have you ever been on a scavenger hunt? Let's go there. Let's find out what wonderful things God has in a secret place stored up for those who believe. Let's find out. Let's find out what God has for us. The effects of dwelling is you develop a confidence and a familiarity with the instructor. You don't have to keep being introduced to the Holy Spirit. You know him. You know what his voice sounds like. And so it isn't a pounding. Can I get your attention, please, Joy? It's, uh, daughter, I'd like for you to move there. I'd like for you just to flow. I'd like for you, uh, turn down this street. There's somebody you see what I'm saying? Just blowing with the Holy Spirit. Gently, he gently pushes, he gently touches you when you know 
what he does. He doesn't have to say very much. It isn't a lightning storm that happens because you know him. You're familiar with him. Most of us live in a neighborhood with bylaws which govern our consistency to keep up our yard. I mean, if I let my weeds grow and I get a letter. If my noise level gets too loud, I get a letter. I am under the constable that drives through the neighborhood. He's obliged, because I pay him, he's obliged to protect my place if he sees something suspicious. I have to abide by speed limits. And we all accept these kinds of guidelines, but we are not expecting that in the scriptures. But there are guidelines. We don't think anything about it. It says, this is another scripture. If we, uh, if my children who are called by my name, if my children who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. We don't think one thing about the word if there. We know that it's fair. So we, um, we quickly get about humbling ourselves you know, and thinking right, and then we start praying. But I dare say y'all have never seen verse 1 of Psalms 91 like this. But, you, but all the rest, verse 2 through 16, is not applicable if you don't do verse 1. Verse 2 through 16 is telling you what's under the shadow. What's under the shadow, and it's only if you dwell and abide. And we've got some wonderful things to come to us. It'll eliminate fear in the body of Christ if we all get to dwelling. It'll eliminate fear because we'll know what's under the shadow and it all applies. We won't have to use it like a quick, give me a magic marker and let me mark myself with it. Give me a sticky and I'll put it on me. I'll wear it on my forehead to prove that I, I know the scripture. Well, we all know the scripture. Uh, Psalms 23 says, uh, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. Well, folks, dwelling in a secret place will cause you to lie down. You're not going to be doing your own gig anymore. You're going to find out God has gigs. He has lots of gigs he wants you on. He may want you, he may want to give you television stations in Africa free of charge. Or eyeglasses by the thousands, free of charge. He may want to give you a new church building, free of charge. Well, he can trust you if you dwell. He can trust you with riches if you dwell. You wonder why some of us have have problems with finances. It's because we're not dwelling. It's because we haven't learned the economics of the kingdom. It's because we are not willing to to get with the program and, and, and stay in there in the secret place and let God unlock to us the absolute fortune that's there. Billions. I know a man that handles millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm amazed at him. He's humble. And God makes the best arrangements for land and opportunity for this man And he lives in a $60,000 house that's only been refurbished once. He said, I only need one bathroom at a time. 
Why do I need four? And he can afford anything. But humility and his walk with God is most important. Now, I know that man personally. I've known him for over 35 years. And I'm astounded at who comes alongside him. Billionaires come alongside him. People that influence the world come alongside him. Senators, presidents, and he just stays the same. Because he's already in the most high. He's already friends with the most high. I mean, you can't get better. So what, what would man do to his calling? It won't, it won't change it at all. That's where I want to get. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sickness may present itself to me, and doctors may say, you've got this, that, and the other. But it has no effect because I know what's under the secret place. I know what's under the shadow. It's mine. And that's where we need to be in our faith. We're not going to have to worry about fear. We're not going to, we don't have to worry about judging our brother. It's very, we're not supposed to judge a brother. We're supposed to look and see fruit. And we're, we're, we can go and feel the fruit and see if the fruit's there. If the fruit's not there, we just pray for our brother because he's not dwelling in the secret place. That's where the fruit's born. And so we are going to, we're going to experience things. In Hebrews uh, 4, let me get there real quick because I may want to take you somewhere else. Hebrews 4 where that was 14 through 16 it says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but all in was all in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus has experienced every weakness that we've had without failure. He experienced it in his flesh. And on down, it says um, uh, down here in verse 5, uh, at verse 5, 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. We don't think about him suffering, but he was suffering in that flesh wanting to you know, pull away, wanting to have something different. He said, Lord, if you can't take this from me, you know, but he stood. Aren't we glad that he stood? He took the place that we would have had. He took our place. He took all the sin upon him. He took all of the sickness upon his body so that we do not have to have it. He obeyed to the to the end, obeyed to the end. And we can walk in that place, in that freshness with God like all of us have wanted since the day we got saved. We want to feel, you know, we said it's not a bed of flowers, you know, you're going to go through things and everything else with Christian walk. Yes, we are. But we can do it magnificently with wisdom and understanding and with mystery 
what's going to call, what is going to draw people is if Jesus is lifted up. We've got to know how to do that by words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and everything else, and the timing of the Lord. We are going to have to learn how to walk with this powerful spirit that we have. The Holy Spirit is power released. When we lay hands on the sick, it is not us. It's the power coming through us when the pastor is ready to pray, the Holy Spirit's ready to minister. I mean, it is there. It's not about joy. It's about the Spirit of God using us, and and God's going to bring in ministers. He's going to bring in leaders. He's going to bring in people who know how to walk by, by, by the Spirit of God, who know how to discern, who have gifts operating in them. We're not going to be jealous because we're not, they're not going to be ahead of us. You see what I'm saying? He's go, we're just all going to walk together in, in harmony together and watch this magnificent Spirit of God move in our midst. We do not have to be afraid of it. We do not have to be afraid. Uh, the Holy Spirit has... has um, was working in a classroom with, that I was in. And, and when this man of God, he was teaching on the Holy Spirit, so the anointing was real strong in the room. And I'd never seen the Spirit move like this, but when, uh, when he would walk by, I would just, whoom, I'd be moved in my chair. It was like there was a force on him that I couldn't, I couldn't understand. And he would, I mean, I would be physically moved. And I'd never heard of that. So it was the Spirit teaching me that the anointing does things. And when we all come in one mind, in one accord, and people walk in here with sickness, they might fall on their faces. The power is, would be unrestricted if we all started dwelling in the secret place. The power would not have hindrance to move on us. There are people all over the world stopping their cars and getting out and falling on their faces to pray and worship. Right now, today, this is happening in the world. I've seen Pat send me several videos where this is happening. That used to happen when Smith Wigglesworth would walk into a factory that shut down the factory, fall on their faces and get healed. Repent. They'd be repenting all over the place. Well, God is among you is what, what we want people saying. I repent. God is among you. I repent. Something's in this place. Something's happening. I want the hair on their arms to stand up. I want them to know and feel that womb when they walk in because we're all engaged in this secret place. We're all going before God saying, load me up. I want to I wanna know a secret. I want something to change my life. I've got to have it or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out. You know, if I, didn't, if I hadn't gotten a word from God, I, I was on my way out, folks. That's all I know to say. I don't, I don't want to die. But I sure was thinking about it. If I can't do better than this, Lord, just take me home. If I can't feel better than this, take me home. Please. 
But I don't feel that way today. I got a motor started. And it's started by God in a very unusual way. He got, he got me to go, and when my granddaughter and grandson were there, telling me about Acts, I went over to my, my little secretary and opened it up, and there's an envelope that says, May 2013, Prophecy to Joy. And I opened it up, and a prophecy, I began to read this two-page prophecy that was given to me in class. And I told them, this is what I'm going to start doing. This is what was given to me by God. This is what I've got to do before I'm out of here. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to see some things together. What has been spoken over us is going to start coming to pass If you've had something spoken over you that you don't see how it's possible, raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you've had things spoken over you that God, you know, came from God, and you don't know how it could possibly, get in the secret place. He knows how it's going to come to pass. Get in there. Don't assume anything. If you have trouble talking to people, just, just ask him. So did Isaiah. And he put coals of fire on his tongue, on his lips. So did Moses. He gave him Aaron. You don't know who God's got as a sidekick for you, but to to get his works done. If you've had things spoken over you, we declare it this day. It's not over till it's over. Get in the secret place. Get in the secret place. And get going in the secret place. Get, God wants you asking. It's his good pleasure to reveal stuff to you. It's his, it's his delight. It says in Scripture that he revealed mysteries. It's his delight. See, he, he's not holding back anything. He's saying, I need you to graduate some. Get out of ba- kindergarten. Come on, reach for high school. Come on, reach for college. Reach for advanced whatever that's out there. Don't stay where you are. Refuse to stay where you are and go into deeper things. Get deep because deep calls to deep. If you are just shallow, dig a hole. Get in it. Go deeper than you are right now. Say, I'm going to dig till I find something. Dig in the Holy Spirit. Ask him questions that you don't understand. Go after it. Why isn't this working? I've slapped those scriptures on me a million times like stickers, like I'm stickered all up. The devil can't, and the devil just laughs at me. He would just laugh at me because I was not opening the lock. I was not using the keys, how they were intended to unlock. Get your keys in your hands. Say, show me the locks. I want that opened up to me because I'm your child and I can advance forward in you. I'm advancing forward. Show me the locks. Show me what's locked up in the secret place and hidden so I can be delighted when I find it. Go after. Go on your scavenger hunt in the kingdom of God. Go after it. Stand up. Stand up to the to the. the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places that are loving us, playing games with the Word of God. They know there's treasure. The principalities and powers know there's treasure. If you think you are not going to have 
a hard time building that house in the secret place, you're crazy. You've, <laughs> you're going to have a little bit of, of, of conflict there. The enemy will tell you this is stupid. God doesn't say that. He says dwell here. To dwell means to stay there, to reside there, to build your abode there. And then the shadow protects you where the wicked ones can't see you. They didn't know how to deal with Jesus. They, he did things in secret. And the enemy was confused because his head had been stepped on. He is a very, a very, very confused force now. Jesus stepped on him. He is a confused enemy. And when we get under that secret shadow of the Most High, he doesn't have anything he can do against us. We can walk through those things like they didn't even exist. And we will see with radar vision, we'll see those beams, you know, they put up in banks where you you have to have a special tool to see that something is very protected. We'll see all of those. We'll go in. It says unless you first bind the strong man, you can't go in and spoil his goods. We'll see all his lines that he's got, and we will cut them one by one because we will have insight to the schemes of the enemy, and we will undo. We'll bind up the strong man, and we'll go in and take out the heart of what he's doing. We've got to get wise as serpents and gentle as doves, by the power of God. I love y'all. I appreciate God letting me say what I've said tonight more than anything I've ever taught because I feel rescued. I feel rescued by the Most High God. I feel like I'm under the shadow of the Almighty and I am going to abide even if it's a camper. I'm going to abide. I'm going to abide and dwell in the secret place. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over this word. I speak over it like seeds in the ground. I speak over it, Father, that rain's going to come. It's going to water this seed. That the sprigs are going to come up. And no one will walk away anymore in the spirit of their own minds. You spoke to me and gave me a song. And you said, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain, O my soul. Speak to the mountain, O my soul. Speak to the mountain. And we are going to speak to the mountains in our lives and we are going to command that we will have insight and wisdom how to deal with them in Jesus' name. Never again will we be victims. We will be victors in every way in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. God bless you all. You're dismissed.